Is he holy? Is he holy? Is he holy? Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to thank you, praise team. Man, that's what you call setting the table, creating the atmosphere. Well, good morning, linked up. As you can see, I am not Pastor Joe Gregory. I'm just a little bit taller. I have the honor and the awesome privilege of delivering the message today. Our pastors uh, are out on a much-needed vacation, getting recharged, revitalized. Uh, to come back, they'll be back in the pulpit next week. So for all of our first-time visitors, I would ask that you would come back next week and sit under the anointed preaching and teaching of our pastors. I can guarantee you this, your life will never be the same. Amen? Secondly, and you guys can go. I don't, I don't want you standing up if you don't have to. Secondly, and everybody can have a seat. Secondly, um, I want to acknowledge my wife, Minister Diane Walker. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. She's bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh. I call her my best rib. She's my prime rib. I want to thank you for coming, pressing your way forward to hear what the Word of God would have to say unto you. I believe I've got a customized word for you today. And lastly, I want to give a hearty hello to all of those that are listening to us or viewing us via social media and the internet. Amen? So let's get right to it. They've set the table. It's time now to pull out a knife and a fork. So if you bow your heads with me for a quick moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister to your sheep. Grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in you. I pray, Father, that my preaching and speaking be not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and your power, so that the faith of the people stand not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Anoint these lips of clay. I pray, Father, that I decrease while you surely increase. I pray that all flesh implodes and is put asunder, and that the Holy Spirit will continue to explode, have its way, in this service. And Daddy, we'll be ever mindful and ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and nothing but the praise. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that prayer, you said? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, now I got a lot I need to get out today, so I'm giving you a fair warning up front. If you want to follow my outline, you can go to uh, the Bible Version app, right? Go to events, go to linked up, and then you'll see my, my message there. So strap down, all right? The train is about to leave the station. 
The Lord has led me to talk about some things that our society is in desperate need of. The world has downgraded the importance and the significance of honor, love, and showing basic respect for our parents, for our elders, for our bosses, for our colleagues. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. These are expressions that are under fire and underutilized. Disobedience, disregard, and disrespect seem to rule the day. Our children and our teens are surrounded and bombarded with rudeness and indifference in songs, in the television, on the internet, in video games. They are exposed to adult themes, adult language, pornography, sexual exploits, everywhere you turn around. Every commercial has a sexual slant to it. They could be talking about toothpaste, dog food, it's something sexual to it. Even parents behave in ways that children should never see and never hear. Because we all know that children, kids, are more apt to act out what they see adults and parents doing. In USA Today, they publish, they publish a series of surveys. They've been doing it for years. And in these surveys, they, they poll and look at the, the dynamics between teachers, students, and parents across several school systems. According to their research, among the biggest drops in percentage points were these two categories. Students' respect for teachers dropped from 79% to 31%. That shocked me, but that's not the biggest eye-opener. The biggest eye-opener is this. Parents who respect teachers, adults who respect the adults that are teaching their kids, dropped from 91% to 49%. That's a 58-point slide. That's why we need to pray for our teachers, pray for our professors, and pray for our school administrators. That's another reason why Linked Up will be honoring uh, our educators uh, at the end of this month. Amen? So now, let me take it a little bit further. I want to read a passage uh, uh, from an account of a true story, right? This occurred with preschoolers. It reads, a a teacher at a certain preschool came into the program director's office in despair. Several of the four-year-olds in her class were hitting her and refusing to obey her. And this week, two children had spit in her face. The director asked the teacher how she had handled this behavior. So we can stop right there, because I can tell you how I would have handled the behavior. (laughs) All right, that's not my gifting. Okay, so the story continues. The teacher said she had told the children who hit and disobeyed that she didn't like it when they behaved that way. When the children spit at her, she had been too stunned to know how to respond. Now get this. Finally, she decided to stay out of the range of children who spit. And whenever anyone hit her, the whole class had to miss recess. Again, I say pray for our teachers. Now you have to ask yourself a few questions. Where does a preschooler, four-year-old, 
get hitting and spitting on adults to be acceptable behavior. Everybody say after me, where's the honor? honor. Say, where's the love? love. Say, where's the respect? respect. Now you know the title for my sermon, amen? Amen. So, let's get on it. I have three points. My first point is this, honor begets honor. Honor, love, and respect must start where? We all know it, in the home. Now, a lot of stuff I'm going to tell you today is common sense stuff. But sometimes common sense is not so common. Turn with me in your Bibles or on your smart devices to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. King James Version, Exodus 20, verse 12. All right, we're going to look at one of the Ten Commandments. It reads, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, according to Webster, Honor is defined as to revere, to respect, to treat with deference and submission. So we see God places a great value on teaching honor in the home, right? Within the confines of marriage, we know that the father is the head and the priest of the home. He will be held accountable for the spiritual, financial, and well-being of the family. As Pastor Gregor taught us in the blueprint, uh, he's responsible for prayer, provision, and protection. Now, we also know that the father and the mother will be held accountable and responsible for raising the kids up in a nurturing environment so they would be admonishing the Lord. Amen? So, honor begets honor. Love causes love. Respect produces respect. It's a two-way street. You give what you get, and you get what you give. So, I want you to notice something that's very specific in the wording of this commandment. God said, honor thy father and honor thy mother. He did not say, honor thy father and honor thy father. He did not say, honor thy mother and honor thy mother. He did not say, honor thy father over thy mother. And he did not say, honor thy mother over thy father. He said, honor thy father and thy mother. Now, and you do that, why? So that... It would be well with you in the land, and so that you may have longer days. So that tells me more or less that we can determine or we can have some impact on our length of days and our well-being. So honor and respect, though, have byproducts that we all need to be successful in life, like tolerance, like selflessness, like giving, and like compassion. I think God has a a funny sense of humor because in commandment five, he says, honor thy father and thy mother. In commandment six, he says, thou shalt not kill. (laughs) Now, maybe there's a message in there for somebody. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. I want to quickly read verses one through three. Uh, This is the only time I'll be reading out of the message uh, Bible. Everything else will be out of King James. It reads, children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother. Is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have long life. All right? So we see here, God inspired the Apostle Paul to write a reminder in the New Testament of what we just read in the Old Testament. 
Now, Paul highlights and makes it plain that honor is the first commandment with a promise attached. Now, I'm going to submit to you that inherent in the promise is also a warning, right? There can be honor, then there can be dishonor. So ask yourself, why did God add so you will live long and have long life? I believe it's because he knew that we would be a stubborn, rebellious, hard-headed, and sometimes stiff-necked people. But I believe he placed it there because he's showing us that he's a God of love. And love always warns. Amen? It warns in advance of correction. So honor, love, and respect must start in the home. So God is attempting to influence our behavior by warning us on the front end. So in effect, he's giving us what I want to call a bundle. He's giving us a directive. He's giving us a promise. And he's giving us a warning. Amen? See, God does not waste words. God doesn't waste anything. Now, when it comes to bundling and not wasting words, my wife, oh, she's good at that. She does the same thing to me all the time. For example, baby, I'm going out to get something to eat. Do you want something? All right. Now, over the years, I've learned how to decode and decipher stuff. So, so, so uh, she'll say, no, I'm not really, really hungry. You don't have to get me anything if you don't want to. Now, in that is a bundle. I know it's a directive. I know in that is a promise. And I know in that is a warning, right? Because what she really is saying is this. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I want some food. Yes, you better figure it out. Yes, it better be hot. Yes, you better not come back unless you got enough for two people to eat. Now, she, now, now, now there's an all-time favorite. I don't have time to talk about it. But I know there's a bond when she looks at me, she says, Oh, so you don't believe fat meat is greasy. Everybody say, where's the love? All right, point two, love begets love. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. I want to read verse 9 to you. Book of John 15, verse 9. <clears throat> and it reads, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So honor, as we see, starts within the framework of love. So here we see a picture of how successful relationships must be rooted in the love from the Father down through the Son to us. God is love, and love is God. Love originates in God and is continually being perfected in us through Christ Jesus. Jesus emulates the Father and His love, and we, are, we Christians, we're Christ-like. We are to emulate Jesus and Jesus' love. Amen. We are to remain and abide in Christ and his love to remain and abide in us. And his love is key. It's the key ingredient to our loving others. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. I want to read verses 37 through 40 to you. And it reads, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. 
This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay? Love God and love others as you love yourself. That's what we just read, is it not? All right. Inherent in loving God is loving you. You can't truly love God and hate yourself. Now, I'm not negating the fact <clears throat> that we all have some things that we need to improve about ourselves. Amen? But when you look at the totality of it all, the bottom line is that to love you is to love God. To love God is to love you. So you've got to love the God in you and love yourself. God said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God said that you are marvelous in his sight. He is your maker. That word marvelous in the Hebrew means distinct, set apart. Don't you know there's only one you on the face of this planet? Among 7.5 billion with a B people, there's only one you. There's never been anyone like you before you existed. There will never be another like you after you cease to exist. You're here living, breathing, moving because of his divine grace and because of his divine purpose. So it's not wise to try to compare yourselves to others. Never consider yourself unworthy. Don't give in to self-doubt. Don't give in to self-pity. Don't give in to self-hatred. If you give in to anything, give in to God. See, hating yourself would be the, the ultimate sign of disrespect to the Father. If he said that you're marvelous, then you're marvelous. That, that would be, uh, in effect, calling God a liar. Speaking of that, there's a book I read from time to time, uh, and the book is called More Than a Carpenter. And the gentleman that wrote the book was a hardcore atheist. He set out to prove that God was a liar and a lunatic. And in him doing all this research, he actually was converted to Christianity. Guy ended up getting a master's in divinity, right? He was hardcore. Some stuff I didn't understand. I mean, he thought God was a myth. And for some reason, he thought all Christian women were ugly. <laughs> he was blinded by the lowercase God of this world. I can tell you that. So in his research, they looked at um, um, 60 prophecies and 270 ramifications and all that. The bottom line is this. They took a set uh, these elite scientists and elite mathematicians took a set of eight prophecies and they determined that a probability, the probability and likelihood that one person other than Jesus could have fulfilled these eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. Can you guys show that graph? So for you to get uh, uh, an understanding of what one in the ten to the seventeenth power looks like is that one gamil gazir kaka malili zillion, right? With all those ones behind it. 
But that just looks like a big, long number. How can we really get a good grasp on what all that means? Okay, good question. I got an answer for you. If you take that number of silver dollar coins, I would have enough silver dollar coins to cover the entire face of the state of Texas. North to south, east to west. Not only that number of silver dollar coins could I cover the face of Texas, it would be two feet deep. If I took one coin and marked it with a JW, and I decided to throw that coin somewhere in the state of Texas, and I said, God, stir it up, and he stirred up all those coins. And I took a person, like Minister George, he's from Texas. I took him as a Texan, and I said, Minister George, come here. I put a blindfold on him, and I said, you can travel to anywhere in Texas you want to travel. Anywhere. He's from Houston. Probably he'll go somewhere in the suburb of Houston. And you can bend down and pick up one coin. The likelihood that those eight prophecies could have been fulfilled by someone other than Jesus is the likelihood that he would pick up that one coin. Now, I could have saved him a whole lot of time and trouble and a lot of heartache by just saying, believe God. Which is the same for us. We know God is not a man that he should lie, right? So never doubt yourself. If God said you're marvelous, you're marvelous. So you can only honor and respect others if you honor and respect yourself. I got to tell you something else that just hit me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is something that really uh, uh, boils my blood. You know when you're out and you hear a child, no matter what age they are, address their parent by their first name. That gets me. It's not even my, key, my child, right? To me, that is the ultimate sign of disrespect. Now, I have two children, grown children, good and grown, right? Matter of fact, one of them sitting right here. Yeah, I'm pointing you. One sitting right there, my son. He actually serves here at the church. I wish, I, I wish he would address me by my first name or his mother by her first name. I wish he would even form his lips <laughs> to even want to say Diane. Now, he may get to die out, but if I'm within striking distance, he won't make it to the end. <laughs> won't do it. Matter of fact, it makes me so hard to even think about it. You see me after this sermon. <laughs> Everybody say, where's the respect? Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Oh, this clock is rolling. Acts chapter 10. In Acts, I'm going to try to really march through 10 in a, in a, in a quick paced fashion. So keep up. Um, we know the book of Acts is of paramount importance because it, it, it is the first uh, written history of the Christian church, right? We also know that this is the chapter where uh, Peter gets the charge to go and speak the gospel to the Gentiles, right? So before this occurred, it never, it never occurred to the church that uh, 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 anyone else could, could, uh, uh, could receive salvation other than Jews, and their respect was for Jews and the Jewish way of life. 
All right, verse 1 reads, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2, A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. So we can see he was a devout man, devout to duty, devout to religion. He feared God with all his house, so they reverenced he and his family the Lord. He gave some alms? No, he gave much alms. So he was a big-time giver, right? So he must have believed in the law of sowing and reaping. And then it said, he and his family prayed always. So he understood the importance of daily communing with the Lord. Verse 3, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. So now we know that angels can be seen, angels can speak, and angels can be understood. Chapter, uh, uh, verse 4. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. Verse 5. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Verse 7. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. Now, we know Cornelius was devout. Now, it says that he called a devout soldier. So, a devout man hangs around devout people, right? The way Proverbs says it is when a wise man walks with a wise man, he will increase in learning. He will be yet wiser. Matthew says of the spiritually blind, when the blind follow the blind, what happens? They both fall into a ditch. Begs me to ask the question, who do you surround yourself with? And are they following the things of God? Or are they just following what appears to be good? Good does not necessarily equate to God. Give an example. A lot of people followed uh, a guy by the name of Bernie Madoff. Rich people, deep pocket people, Ivy Leaguers, prominent people, huh? until that $60 billion fell out. Right? Bernie Madoff, the guy that, that, that was convicted as being a common and a fraud, gypped people out of all their life savings, um, um, dismantled pensions. Bernie Madoff's power was in the fact that he lied about being able to beat the stock market month in and month out. People gravitated to that. Amen? But you know, when you align yourself with the, 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 the devil, you get the fruit and the rewards from the devil. And he got some fruit and some rewards. Right now, he's, selling a, a, he's a, 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 a having a 150-year a uh, uh, prison term, right? He's in prison now. His whole family lineage has been destroyed. His sons committed suicide. His grandchildren have changed their last name. Satan is crafty. Satan sifted him as wheat. It says in Revelation 12, 4, we don't have to go there. I'm going to talk you through it. Talks about how Satan deceived a third of heaven's angels. I dare say that I think the dumbest angel being is most likely more intelligent and smarter than the most intelligent human being. All right? You get that? You get that? So what I'm saying is, as smart as I believe they are, Satan was crafty and deceptive enough to deceive a third of heaven's angels. Glory to God. That's why when you deal with him... 
You know what, let me, let me back up a little bit. I wasn't going to say this because it hurts me to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's, there's, there's one thing that, that, that Satan and God both have in common. And that is that they're no, both are no respect of persons. Hmm? Satan will take you out no matter who you are. No matter what you do. No matter who you think you got backing you up. Now, and the, good, and, and the thing about him, he does not change. Huh? He desires to sift you as wheat. Hmm? He desired yesterday to sift you as wheat. He wants to sift you as wheat today. And when you wake up tomorrow, guess what? He'll be waiting to try to sift you as wheat then. That's why we have to always keep our minds stayed on the things of the Lord. We have to protect our eye gate, our ear gate, our mouth gate, our mind gate. If you ask me, our entire body gate. And here's something else too. You know, you can't give the devil an inch. You give that joke an inch, he'll take a country mile. You let that joke in the car, he'll want to drive. You let him in the kitchen, he'll burn the house down. All right, I'm running out of time. For time's sake, let me summarize verses 8 through 18. Peter becomes hungry. Peter falls asleep on the rooftop. All right, from the uh, 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 Lord comes to him. Peter has a trance. He sees a vessel coming down from the heavens. The vessel has four corners on it. On the four corners are animals, right? Uh, beef, pork, chicken, lamb. And then God says to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Peter says, no, I don't eat what's uncommon. God enacted through the Holy Spirit, went to Peter three times, and he said, Peter, what I have cleansed, let no man call common. The animals represented us, the Gentiles. So God was teaching Peter right now that there is no respect, there is no distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews. Both nations are coming under one fold, and both nations are coming out of, under one shepherd, and that shepherd is Jesus Christ. Amen? Skip to verse 19. So while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Now I want you to notice something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifested a move on the heart of Cornelius. He did the same thing with Peter. Cornelius was accessible, open, and ready to receive. He acted immediately. Peter, it took a, it took a little while. So the question to you is, when has God... When has God showed himself strong on your behalf? In other words, sometimes we pray to God, we, we, we pray for the job, we pray for the person, we, we pray for the move, and pray for the car, and then God, who has heard our prayers, makes it all happen, and then we reject what he has done. And we reject it because what? It looks so common. It lacks flair. It looks too ordinary. Don't you know God is no respect of persons? If he can send an angel to speak to Cornelius, he can send an angel to speak to you. If he can give Peter visions, he can give visions to you. He's always speaking through the Holy Spirit. He's always giving instructions. Are you hearing and are you receiving? 
this may sound like some Christianese, some, some, some Christianese, something that you always hear, uh, uh, cliche-ish, but it's true. One word from God. One word could change your trajectory in life, could change your vision, could change your mission, can change your attitude, can change your perspective, can change your walk and your way in life. Matter of fact, he changed Peter. And notice the difference. Let's go to verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? So Peter's attitude changed. Peter finally got it. He now understood his God-given mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, Peter goes, meets, and saves Cornelius' entire family. Amen? Skip to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So Peter not only was convinced, he is now convicted. And see, so Peter got one of those Holy Ghost checks. You ever had a Holy Ghost check? Ain't no kind of check like a Holy Ghost check. When you get a check from the Holy Ghost, it compels you to look inward. It challenges your thinking. It requires you to realign your priorities. It forces you to magnify your focus and ultimately would manifest a transformation in your life. Hallelujah. That's why you have to let the Holy Spirit do His work. You know, and, 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 and don't think you have to first clean up to measure up. Don't think you have to smell good and look good to be of value. See, your salvation is more important than your stagnation. Glory to God. And you can remain in denial or you can receive deliverance. I mean, the peace of God and the peace of Jesus is like no other peace. It's overwhelming, especially when you're facing trial, tribulations, you got predicaments, you got situations, you got problems. With his strength, with his power, with his assurance, you can stand and talk to those problems. You can talk to those dilemmas. You can talk to those situations. And you can tell them, you too shall pass. I shall survive you and I'll still be standing when you are eliminated. In the name of Jesus. Beloved, don't you know that God will make a way out of no way just for you? That's why you are marvelous in his sight. Amen. So today, don't make the mistake of leaving here, walking away and leaving your answers here and your peace here at the altar. You know, you don't have to continue to wrestle with that issue. You don't have to keep your feet in the miry clay. You don't have to keep trying to tread water. You don't have to stop missing sleep. You don't have to uh, go to a gunfight with a knife. You don't have to keep trying to fight uphill. You don't have to keep saying, I don't know what to do, where to go, who to turn to. He's telling you right now, I heard your cry. He brought you here to give you your answer. All you have to do is meet them halfway. Glory to God. Wee. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, very familiar, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So grace is a gift. We know that. Grace is unmerited favor. We know that. But did you also know that honor, love, and respect are synonyms 
for grace. God's grace, unmerited favor, his love, his honor, and his respect. You know, yes, you receive it through faith, but I'm here to tell you that God has been giving you grace every single day of your life. We all have those BC days before Christ. We all have things in our past that we're not proud of. But if you look back in your past, like I look back at mine, I know you can see days and times where you know you shouldn't be standing here on the face of this earth and God's grace saved you and God brought you through. Remember those times you just, you need, let me say it like this. I'm, just gonna, I'm being real. I wasn't going to say it, but Lord, you have told me I can speak and say what I want to say. Here it comes. Remember those days when you used to snort that white powder? Come on now. Come on now. We're going to be real in here. Stuff had you so crazy, you were snorting everything white. Sugar, flour, you didn't care. You were playing Russian roulette with your life. And then you met Jesus. Remember those days when you, before you knew the Holy Spirit, you were drinking all time, kind of spirits. So full of spirits that if I struck a match two feet, within two feet of you, I'd have blown you up. But you were on the way to shutting down your organs, and then you met King Jesus. Remember that time you were asleep in the wee hours of the morning, and then all of a sudden, you raised straight up in the bed. Your senses were heightened. You sensed something was wrong. You know, and you sleep like a rock. You know three freight trains and five teams of mules couldn't wake you up. But the Holy Spirit woke you up that night. And then your sense of smell. You smell something was wrong. You get out of the bed. You go downstairs, and then you realize you never turn the eye, uh, the knob of the eye on the gas stove all the way off. And then all you can do is just fall to your knees and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. That was God's grace. Let me, let me be real and talk about myself. Many years ago, I was on a college campus, not the school I was going to doing something I should not have been doing, drinking something I should not have been drinking. My wife was with me. She wasn't my wife at the time. <clears throat> and uh, I'm in a fraternity. This fraternity was having a party that night, uh, homecom after homecoming game, uh, in the frat house. The streets were blocked off, so in front of the house, you can party in the street. So we had people partying in the street, people partying in the, in the yard, and I actually was on the front porch. You had to pay to get, to, in, to get into the frat house, to get to the party or parties, right? So people were paying and getting into the frat house. I'm standing there. My frat brothers is collecting money, putting the money in a money box. Well, another member of another frat walks up. He snatches the money box. I'm right there. What could I do? Right? So I hit him, and all of a sudden, we start fighting and wrestling on the porch. Fighting breaks out in the yard, in the street. It was a tense environment. Uh, fighting breaking out in the frat house behind me. At some point, somebody started shooting from the street into the house. At some point after that, the brothers in the house decided to return fire. So now I'm fighting with these guys, a bunch of guys, on the porch. 
Now, you would think that when you heard those first shots, bam, 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 you would duck. I didn't duck. I'm still, you know, giving it all I got. And I'm doing that because I had that liquid courage in me. I was high as a kite. At some point, because I, I, you know how you rehearse things in your mind and you go back and you try to figure out what went. At some point, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I know it as clear as day. Now, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a way that you understand the urgency of the problem. Right? So he said, duck, fool. So I duck. And when I ducked, I realized there was a bullet coming straight at me. It just missed me. I could, you know, I could sense and feel the heat on my ear. And many times I've thought, that bullet had my name on it. And if I would have died at that frat party on a frat porch, I never would have known her for 38 years, my wife married for 33. I never would have had him sitting behind her, my son. I never would have met my daughter-in-love, his wife. I never would have uh, had my daughter. I never would have met Joe Gregory. I never would have hooked up with Linked Up Church. I never would have been able to work with the greatest staff in the world, the ministry staff at the church. I would have never been able to work with the greatest dream team in the world and the greatest small group in the world. And I never would have been able to meet you as my friends and colleagues. I would have missed all of that if I hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit. I'm really out of time. I'm going to shut it down right here. But I'm going to, I'm going to say to you, I'm going to ask you to take a few seconds. And I want you to think about your past, your before Christ days. And think about the number of times that you know that it was only by the grace of God uh, that stopped you from being T-boned at that intersection. It was only by the grace of God that allowed you to see your children. It's only by the grace of God that you found your mate for life and you were able to enjoy them. Think about that. Think about how God has kept you in the palm of his hands and he chose not to let you go whether you chose him or not. He chose not to let you go because you're valuable, you're marvelous, you're fearfully made, you're set apart, you're distinct in his eyesight. Glory to God. I'm just out of time. I hope you got something from that message. All right, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, nobody moving except those that have been assigned to do so. We've come really to the most important part of this sermon, the, really the most important part of the day. I just spoke about 
you not devaluing yourself. If you feel that you are the desperate, the downtrodden, if you feel that you are the least, the less, the lost, well, I got somebody that really wants to meet you because he can reverse all of that. His name is King Jesus. He's waiting. He wants to meet you halfway. He wants to show you the goodness of his grace. So I'm going to give you some invitations. The first invitation is this. If you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, everybody praying, please. Everybody praying. This really is important. I believe people right now are making life decisions. So if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord, your Savior, and your Master, this is the time, this is the hour, this is the place He brought you here to remove those burdens, to remove all that heaviness, to let Him shoulder the load. You don't have to. So if you want that opportunity, I'm going to ask if you would just slip up your hand in the name of Jesus. Just slip up your hands if you want Jesus to be your Lord, Master, and Savior. Okay, let me give you a second invitation. If you've walked away from the faith If you've broken your fellowship with the Lord, He still is here waiting for you as well. He says, come back today. Restore yourself. He says, I've got so much for you. It's waiting. All you have to do is come and receive. So if anyone in here wants to rededicate their life today, You've got that opportunity right now. Would you please slip up your hand? Third invitation. I think I said somewhere in the sermon, uh, it's time out for going to a, a gun battle with a knife. If you want to increase your spiritual arsenal, you have an opportunity to do that as well today. If you've never spoken tongues, and you want the ability to do so. It's called water. It's called baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. We can assist you with that today. So where you develop your spiritual language, where you speak to God, you got a hotline in to God. You may not understand what you're saying. Other people might not understand what you're saying. But the most important person, God, knows everything that you're uttering because you're saying it from your spirit and your heart. So if you want the ability to speak in other tongues, would you please lift up your hand? And my last invitation, we have the, the world's best pastors uh, that lead this flock of sheep. 
We're a progressive church. We're on the move. We've got a vision that's going forward day by day by day, minute by minute by minute, and hour by hour by hour. So if, if you're, and all sheep need a, a shepherd, you need a pastor. If you don't have a church home and you're in need of a, a shepherd, we've got the best pastors ever. So if you would like to become a member of Linked Up Church, would you please raise up your hands? I don't want to take anything for granted, so I'm going to offer those invitations one more time. If you'd like to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and make him your master, or if you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ, or if you'd like to speak in new tongues, or if you'd like to be a member of this great church, would you please lift up your hands? All right, well then open your eyes. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Amen. Hope you got something out of the message. Be blessed. I'm going to turn it over now to Minister George Houston. Amen. Good job, sir. Fantastic. Well, listen, just now in this moment, you may have been in the room and maybe you didn't.